I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Sinanta Walker here, and I have our co-host on the Women Who Lead series, Catherine Greer-Limpo. Kat, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me again, Kristen. I'm really, really glad to be here with you. Me too. So we start our talk and then we go, we should be recording this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and that's why we're giggling. Um, <laughs> exactly. I, I think we've already covered a lot of ground, but in we it. have. We're <laughs> going to rehash a little for for you listeners, but um, we thought we felt it was an important conversation. So, what are what's our topic this time, Cap? Okay, so today we're going to talk about being afraid, um, and we're going to mm-hmm. talk about uncertainties. Um, I think that there are things that happen in our lives that either contribute to that fear or take a take it away um, and help it um, kind of move into much more of a background role. Um, So we're going to talk about being scared. We're going to talk about that in the context of leading, and we're going to share some personal stories Mm -hmm. regarding being scared and how we handled it. So I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. So yeah, being scared in in that context of leading that, oh boy, I could do eight shows just on that. Um, And then when you turn around and you have to lead and then you turn around and go, um, you're you're scared the whole time, but you still have to lead. And uh, then you realize that you, why do people always put me in a leadership position? Because sometimes I really don't. feel like I know what I'm doing, but it always shows up for me from the time I was very young. Kristen will do it or older people asking me, well, how do you, how, how should I do this? And I'd look at them like, do you realize that I am 22 and you're 47 and you're asking me how to run your business? Just things like that, where I'd go, why do I always get shoved in this leadership place? Yeah. Um, And so Sorry, I was just thinking about what um, caused us to even hit the hit the record button this morning. So oh, the speak. Xanax, and, and my Xanax yeah, story. The, the Xanax story, and <laughs> and the comment that you made around the fact that no, none of us really know what we're doing at yeah. the end of the day. Um, there are things that bolster our confidence or 
helps us believe that we are pushing something in the right direction, but really we don't know what we're doing. And sometimes the desire to escape fear because of that is very, very strong. And I, I think that led to the, um, the discussion around the Xanax. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'll, I'll re well, go ahead then. Then I'll repeat my little Xanax story. Cause everyone... no, no, please, please go ahead. Cause then I want to talk about, um, Tony Robbins and just my, my thought around uh, that, that I, yes, that I hadn't yes. finished before. So, <laughs> yes. Okay. So I, um, listeners, I, I'm in, you know, this very safe cocoon that I live in. So my home life is very safe and there's not all this drama going on. And that's a first for me forever. So this is all really new and trying to navigate that and then be excited about, you know, I have this exciting work that I do and, you know, um, my dog is snoring. So sorry, everyone, if you can hear her, I just had to throw a little paper on her so she would get up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she's looking at me like, why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, little girl. Um, so maybe putting her bed right next to my mic is not a good idea. Um, so anyway, I realized, well, you know what? I've been taking Xanax for about four years. Why um, I do I really need to keep taking it? Because I don't have this stressful experience. And I always like to investigate, you know, where did this originate? Why was I taking it? What was going on that I needed to take it? Um, because it is like alcohol in a pill. I mean, we've had enough... Um, neuroscientists and psychiatrists come on and talk about that. So, but I only took it to sleep and I started doing a little investigative work. Well, when did I start taking it? Well, it was the years that I lived with my mother after my stepfather passed. And, um, and that's understandable because you need to take something like that if you're living with my mother. So not that it's her fault. I'm the one that put it in my mouth, but I never abused it. But I, I could sleep without it. And I just decided in the last few weeks, I don't want to take it anymore. So I'm going to wean myself off. So I wean myself off. And one of the side effects is um, insomnia. So I've not been sleeping, but I've not been in a bad mood. I've just been like, okay, this is a side effect. So it'll take its time. And I actually now, two weeks in, had my first couple nights of really great sleep. Different Good. sleep. I hear I wake up a lot easier um, cause I'm not tranked. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but I've had a lot of time to think. And oh, details. Exactly. <laughs> the details of it. Exactly. Like if a fly lands on my arm, I wake up and where before you could blow a trumpet in my face and I wouldn't wake up. So, um, I just, it's a different living experience, not having that be a contributor to my life. So I have to adjust Every time we make these kinds of changes, you you have to readjust your your universe. And so I'm adjusting to this new experience of not being on that and get in doing a bedtime ritual to go to sleep and all these different things. And that insomnia gives you a lot of time to think. And I've been thinking a lot, obviously, and going, wait a minute, I don't know why this came up for me so strongly, like I didn't know this already, but it's really hit me that none of us know what we're doing. <laughs> we just right. have no idea. We're making it all up, all of us, celebrities, non-celebrities, whatever, all of us every day are making it up mm -hmm. yep. as we go on. Yeah. And, and that just, I don't know why that blows my mind right now. It just blows my mind. 
Well, it's cool to revisit even kind of those fundamental mind-blowing thoughts. You know, you think about the things that really cause you to take pause and stop and think. And um, it's those really simple questions sometimes. And, you know, one of the things that um, we were talking about before we came on the air was the fact that um, because we don't know what we're doing, we're all looking for ways to make it less scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so that made me think of um, Tony Robbins. And even in the context of the election this week and one of the very large announcements that Ford made relative to um, changes that they're making for their employees, um, you know, there are things that we feel will um somehow help make things less scary. But in reality, we are searching for what those are. So if we think about the popularity of Tony Robbins, he's putting together a very tidy framework as to how we approach our lives. And I I know that his um, teachings are are complicated, so I'm not trying to oversimplify his philosophy. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it comes down to making things less scary. It comes down to putting things in a framework so that they can be more organized and more predictable in the way that we react and respond to them. Um, and I think what I'm interested in, Kristen, is like your Xanax example, um, what are our safety nets in life and what happens when something changes? Right. You know, what happens when things are made less scary for us? And, and even beyond that, you know, what happens when something as big as a company acknowledges that they have a responsibility in making things less scary for us? Um, and they do, right? Yeah. So I, I think that, um, you know, there's self-leadership in that. So what choices we make when things get scary for us. Um, but there's also examples around us of where we can take hope, you know, and I'm not I'm not saying that Tony Robbins is a place to take hope. For some people it is, you know, for some people he has exactly the right recipe for not being afraid of the future, not being afraid of what the next step is. But, you know, again, if we think about even our uh, elections this last week, um, you know, there's there's a lot of ways that we can look at that and say, okay, well, maybe that makes it less scary, too, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I think about, I don't know, and maybe this is wrong, um, but I always feel like, okay, if I, I need to learn how to soothe myself and to um, really be okay with not knowing what's coming. Like, I, I really am big about living in reality. I don't like that's, you know, a reason for coming off of something like Xanax. I'm thankful for it. I'm help. I'm, I'm so grateful that I had it to get me through a horrible time. And then when I don't, that's what medication, you know, can be for a lot of people. And then when you realize you don't need it anymore because things have changed, that's a positive, you know, it's wonderful that my life has changed and I don't, um, I'm not so stressed out and anxiety ridden and panicked that I need something to function like that that's great. That means things are going good in my life. However, I really, it's part of wanting to live in reality and learning those, uh, 
tools that, um, that I have to look at and cultivate and learn how to use um, with myself to feel strong enough, just me, no altered, you know, reality, just be okay with life and that there are no safety nets and that, you know, uh, things like escapism and uh, thinking, oh, because I have a marriage or I have a house or I have a this or I'm a that are just ways that we make safe um, realities for ourselves. I'm okay with that, but I want to be someone that knows that I'm, uh, I'm not explaining this well. I want to walk through my life knowing that I choose to feel safe in situations. I'm not just sort of droned into it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. And that you're able to experience the, you know, the full, um, the full gamut of whatever it is that comes with the situation that you're in. So it could be the, you know, the full up or the full down. Um, yeah. As you were talking, I was thinking about, um, you know, the things that we do to protect ourselves from our fears in terms of layers. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that there are things that we can do, um, to make it easier for ourselves to, to face our own reality. Um, but to your point, you know, taking that final step or, or the making the final choice to say, okay, I'm going to strip away all other things that prevent me from feeling this in the most raw and, and real way possible. Um, you know, that, that's quite a decision. Um, in, in life. So if you think about, um, you know, the things that we do to make ourselves, um, more comfortable, uh, let's say, you know, we rent an apartment or we buy furniture or we, um, you know, go after a, a certain job. All of these things are in an effort not only to meet our basic needs, but also to help make us um, feel safer mm -hmm. and more secure in our environment. And I think that the more comfortable we get, um, <laughs> sometimes I think it, it um, may even diminish our ability to um, deal with our fear. Yes. Because we are, you. because we are so comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what I, that's what I mean. And, and it being the reason why I think this is so important to me is I have, uh, you know, this family that will come in and insert themselves into other people's lives and um, and then slowly strip away their object of desires, uh, rights, personal rights, personal strength, personal. They'll just take over, take over your finances, take over your furniture, take over your everything, everything. It, your doctor then is was is their doctor, like everything in your life gets consumed by um, by this person's insertion into your life. So I have this history of people trying to come in and control what I do, what I think, what I say. And right now I'm in a very, and, and my whole life has been me figuring that out and wrestling control back and mm -hmm. being more evolved about that as I get older. And so now I'm in this space of no one controls my destiny, but me. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's, it's yeah. very freeing, but it's also, scary 
and you can spend a lifetime, you know, fighting the, the, you can build up these tools for fighting people trying to take control over you. And this is, this is a big deal. This is our governments and so on. So this is a little conversation that happens on a big scale to all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's where I'm in this place of, okay, I understand that I have to abide by what's going on in our government, that I have to abide by what I do with my company, that I have to abide by these specific things. But I want to be very aware that it's my choice. No one's slipping in and um, sort of taking over like a cult, how my brain functions. And, right. And so it's on. your responsibility, right? Yes. Yes. It's, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, you know, just talking about the... Um, the election specifically uh, mm-hmm. this week and um, political parties aside, um, I was humbled by the number of women who oh, were yeah. elected. Um, and I am impressed by the women who make the choice to show up as leaders in the political arena um, and I'm even humbled by our electoral process still as flawed and I guess, um, you know, subject to puppeteering from the outside as it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I know that there are vast improvements that can ma- be made both to participation and the process itself. But the fact that those women made the choice not only to enter it, um, but to fight through and eventually get elected, um, you know, I, I call them out as, as beacons. You set the path. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll follow you. Right. Mm-hmm. You have but, um, you know, yeah. Yes, exactly. But to your point, um, you know, making the choice to um, experience falling asleep without an aid, right. That yes. that's um, a, a sort of a microchasm of a scary choice in and of itself. Imagine making the choice again to show up. And I'm going to use the word naked, um, but you know, really, you're going to you're going to sleep with, um, you know, sort of a um, in a natural way, right? So you're going mm-hmm. to sleep in a way that's naked to medications and mm-hmm. whatnot, and experiencing what sleep is like without those things, which is quite different than with those things, right? Oh God, but very you're, different. Very but you're making a choice to expose yourself, right? To expose mm-hmm. yourself to what that fear looks like and, and having faith that you'll be able to fall asleep without it. Mm-hmm. So let, let's look at that a different way and say, what choices did these women make in even running for office to begin with? You know, oh, they're God. making the choice to expose themselves, you know, yeah. to show their vulnerability and in, in, some ways their strengths, but in other ways their lack of capability. Oh, know? absolutely! Some of them are so young too, and I I, I remember, uh, you know, the one that's in uh, the one that's in uh, D.C. and she um, can't afford to rent an apartment for three months because yeah. you know. Yeah. And I was reading some of the posts about her, and some men that I know that I really like were saying, "Oh, give me a break!" So you did it, did it, uh. So you just do this and you do that. And I, and you know, they're older men and I'm thinking, why do we have to do that? Why do we have to, she didn't ask for that story to be printed about her. Okay. She didn't ask for that. And that is reality. She's very young. 
She's doing mm-hmm. this scary thing. Um, and that's, that's real life. Okay. That's, right. that's the real stuff. And then we have to jump on it and pass all this judgment um, for someone like they can't even be human. Right. I think, where right. the hell does that come <laughs> from? Where do, are we not allowed to actually be human? Right. Yeah. It's, it's so, just... <laughs> so a, a couple thoughts on that. Um, you know, I think that um, where we're uncomfortable with progress and change is that, um, you know, attempts to shape the the reality that we're in and change it into something else. Um, the fear associated with that can manifest itself in, in any way, shape or form, right? Mm-hmm. So by saying a, a very young woman, 29 years old, has no right to be in Washington, D.C. because she can't afford an apartment there, it's it's fear. <laughs> She's going to bring something strong to the table. Yeah. And you know what? At age 29, there's no way I could have afforded an apartment by myself in Washington, D.C. Get real, people. I know. I'm like, honey, you can come stay with me. I'm on an hour and a half away, but you're welcome. (laughs) I mean, let, you know what? Give that, give that girl an apartment and put her on a pedestal because she is getting ready to shine. And that is all that she is getting ready to do. You know? Um, And if the best that, if the best her, opposers can do right now is criticize her for not being able to afford a place to live. Let's set up a GoFundMe. You know, if that is the biggest problem right now in her credibility, it's fixable. Exactly. And, and who knows, maybe, you know, this journey for her of doing this, making this choice and having to figure out where the hell am I going to live and how am I going to afford it is part of her journey. So another thing too of, okay, well, I mean, yeah, she, if it's part of her journey to have GoFundMe funds come in and people help her with their rent, well, that's great. And if it isn't, she'll still be okay. Cause we don't, we all wake up every day still breathing, not everyone, but you know, if you're living and you're in this race, you have called life, we don't just die. We don't just go away um, until, and you know, then we, we do and we're done, but every day we get up and we, ha- and we go and we make a choice to live. Yeah. And to be vulnerable and in to a be, lot of ways, exactly. right? Exactly. And I, I feel like so, I would rather have this uh, vulnerability. I was, I was talking about this with Melanie Van, our program director yesterday. Um, you know, I don't know that our, my show will ever be super popular in terms of mainstream popularity. Well, a, I'm not a celebrity, so there's that. <laughs> and <laughs> B, because we talk about today, stuff. you're not a celebrity today. Right? Who knows? No. <laughs> exactly. Who knows? That's not my goal anyway, but, but no, I'm just I think, teasing. We have real conversations about reality and what people are thinking and feeling and so on. And there's so much escapism that mm-hmm. people don't necessarily want to hear those kinds of conversations. So the listeners that you do, it's fantastic <laughs> that you mm-hmm. do because not everybody mm-hmm. wants to be awake like that. Um, they right. not, not everybody wants to examine and all that. So it's I'm okay with not being popular for that because I'm I can't be any different. I mean, Melanie can't either, and I know you can't. So, Mm-mm. 
No, nor, nor do I want to be, you know, similar to, I guess, all these people. I just want to, I, I want to show up as myself and, and not see what I get, but try and, you know, impact it at least as, as much as I can for, for positive. Um, you know, and even, um, thinking about, you know, again, um, Miss Alexandria and, and the strength that it took for her to, uh, you know, even run for office to begin with. Right. Um, we need, we need more of that. You know, I was listening to a TED talk the other day and it was a woman talking about the statistics around, um, women in leadership positions, particularly in business, um, heading up large companies. So if we look at both the New York Stock Exchange and the FTSE in London, um, and I thought this was hilarious, but I'm going to read this to you. Uh, she said, today there are more men named David, 14, or John, 17, than the total number of women, 7, who lead amongst the top 100 companies listed on the FTSE. So there are seven women leading in those 100 companies and more men named David or John by mm. fivefold. <laughs> <laughs> and there are women. Um, and then in the U.S., we saw a drop in um, women CEOs amongst our Fortune 500 last year um, from a little over 6% to um, just above 4%. 6% um, even and, was paltry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so, and so what, is, what is keeping us from that? You know, what is, and I think a lot of it is the vulnerability that it takes to to show up and lead in that way or the even the vulnerability every day um of showing up as ourselves and not somebody else yeah well we haven't really been allowed and yep. uh, we've been attacked but it's yeah it's our responsibility to change that dynamic but it's a fight i mean we're in a fight it's not because we don't want it um there are things you know, this, this is a whole other conversation, but, um, I don't know. I, I think about that too, that our country has just gone in this wild direction and I feel like we're all going to be okay. And this all ha is happening to a create change, but it's definitely, um, unsettling. There's a piece of me that's like, but are we going to get stuck here with all this stuff that we thought we'd gotten rid of? Mm -hmm. Are they going to win? Like, are they going to win? And we're and we're now in a new you you know version of Handmaid's Tale. Like, is that really where we're going? Do we have to go that far in order to fight back? I don't know. It's just really it's really bizarre um, to watch mm -hmm. what's happening and try to. When I saw what was happening uh, with the election, I I didn't realize. Um, because I have this cultivated this very safe space for myself, I I like to do little experiments to see where I'm at. So I I was like, well, I don't know if the election stuff really bothers me. I think I'm kind of immune to it. <laughs> I was wrong. So I went on it. I didn't watch anything all day that day. Just didn't watch anything on the news. Didn't I don't watch the news any anyway because it's too 
just too much. So mm -hmm. I, I read like Google news and I get the top stories and then I'm out. But I know, I know no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Um, I turn it on at, I guess, 11 at night. And five, and I was like, if you do this, you're not going to sleep. Like, uh. it's going to affect you in that way. But the reality, the adult me is saying, don't do this. But I did it just because I wanted to see. I mean, it's kind of cool when you live your life that way, when you realize that you can have little experiments with yourself. Um, mm -hmm. so I, of course I turned it on and the first thing I saw was all the sensationalized whatever. And I felt the collective anxiety and I went and I, my blood pressure just went through the roof mm. and I turned it off. And, but I remember, <laughs> I remember, um, feeling that way. I think a lot of it is we felt that way when our current president, for some of us anyway, was elected. We went to sleep mm -hmm. thinking, oh, everything's going to be great in the morning. And for some of us, we woke up and went, what just, what just happened here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's traumatizing. So I did wake up in the, the next morning and feel some sense of relief, but I felt like, should I be relieved? Is this really real? We've been so gaslighted and so traumatized that I'm like, do I even want to have hope? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how do we continue to encourage ourselves even, mm -hmm. um, you know, even in the, in the light of maybe what's happened in the past? Yeah. I think in some instances we just, we look for the safety net and not, not something artificial, you know, to the point earlier, yes. Xanax, right? But right. what, what is the safety net? How can we yeah, look laterally and encourage ourselves, you know? Um, yeah. What is that? And, because yeah, let's talk about what the and, safety net is. Yeah, and what happens when the safety net changes, right? The mm -hmm. safety net that applied a month ago might not always be relevant. Um, so what what are the things in our lives that, that make these things less scary? And this brings me back to Ford. So Ford did, I think, and this sort of brings tears to my eyes, um, something amazing this week. Um, so I started my career um, at Ford, um, and this was in 1999. And so I still have a soft spot for Ford and the way that it makes decisions to create change for their people and just make it easier for folks to show up and be of value to the company. So even while I was there um, from 99 to 2008, um, there were monumentous changes that, you know, maybe didn't seem to us to be 
that's significant because we were very close to them. But if I step back now and compare Ford to other groups in heavy industry, large manufacturing companies, they have really done some remarkable things and all in an effort just to make it easier to be a person showing mm. up to contribute. So what happened this week was um, Ford extended their parental leave mm. and now it mirrors something um, much more of what we would see in Europe where there is not only extended leave to stay home with either uh, a naturally born or adopted child, but there's also the opportunity for the father to take part in this quote-unquote maternity leave as well, turning Fantastic. it into a paternity leave. Um, so this on top of Ford's trend of creating innovative human practices. So early in the 2000s, um, they implemented telecommuting and flexible work schedules, which if you think about that in the context of a large manufacturing company, it's difficult. You know, yes. you're taking a bet that um, your people are going to be just as productive and available away from where the rubber meets the road, no pun yep. intended, um, <laughs> as they are if you're physically looking at them and if you're yep. laying eyes on them every day. It, it's putting faith in your employees. Um, and then a few years later, they were one of the first groups to say, a family is a family. And we're going to extend our benefits to whatever your family looks like. Right. And now they've extended their parental leave to parents because parents are parents and we're showing up trying to be productive in the workplace and productive in our family environment. And so if you just step back and look at the umbrella strategy of what Ford has tried to accomplish over, you know, multiple years is they are getting us closer and closer to not being afraid. Mm, they are taking so much off of our plate that we would have to worry about that they're stripping away um, our concerns. They're creating a safety net that says, don't worry about this stuff. I'm going to make it as easy as I possibly can for you to be productive and for you to move our business forward. So it's that shifting safety net that um, kind of molds itself to whatever the most relevant need is um, in front. Um, and you can imagine um, some of the decisions and the discussions that were necessary in order for Ford to make these changes to begin with. Oh, you know, absolutely. The people who can look back, give you massive history lessons and say, no, we tried that before and that's not going to work. It's taking all of those, putting them in a box and doing something anyway. Well, and it's thinking about people. I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. being treating the, the, it's just a whole other way of thinking. And it's, and it's so uncommon in American culture um, mm -hmm. to, to put your people first. It's, mm -hmm. it's, that's what I think makes this even more um, touching is that we do, we, there are a lot of things going on right now in private companies and in um, private industries that are not a reflection of what we see going on politically. And that kind of stuff gives me hope. Mm-hmm. 
Like, yeah. okay, so we're hearing about and it seems like doomsday, but then look at something like what you just talked about happening at a time when it couldn't be more popular for Ford to not to do something like that than right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? So the fact that there right. are people doing things that they could easily uh, just not do is phenomenal that those kinds of things are what give me hope that actually is what gives me safety um knowing that those things happen because to me hope is safety right absolutely absolutely hope is safety you know it's it's optimism and it's the ability to look forward and see the see the beacon of light Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and walk toward it just like all these women who are just elected to Congress, you know, um, and elected to other uh, positions in our political structure, I consider them to be beacons. And, you know, individually, these little bits of change, um, you know, may not taken singularly, um, you know, be of huge significance. Right. Um, to, to anyone necessarily. I mean, they're they're significant to me, but I'm not going to assume that everybody places the the same kind of importance on things that I do because not everybody has the same values as I do. But when I see these small bits of change that I consider making steps in the right direction, it is encouraging, and that is something I think that makes life less scary and you know it might be naive to point at something like for changing a personnel policy to say oh my gosh the world's not as bad of a place as i thought it was but you know what it does (laughs) it does and that's okay i would rather derive my safety from that which feels warm fuzzy hopeful um, you know, all I'd rather derive my safety from those things than from a box or a construct that's been sold to me um, mm-hmm. of society. And what I mean is that when you get married, then you have security. When you have a job at a, you have a regular job, then you have security. You know, all these little boxes that we put people in or put our lives in in order to feel safe. I'm not putting anyone down that does feel safe because of those, those things, but it does lend itself towards um, being a bit arrogant, I think, um, or an ignorant if you don't realize that you are choosing to have that be your safety. Does that make sense? It, it does, and I think that there's a difference between um, you know, building up things that make you feel comfortable in life so that you can make good choices and you can make good decisions versus those that you just build up around you to create a cocoon to sort yes. of foster that that ignorance or that naivete that you're talking about. We can be naive by choice. You know, yeah. we can say, oh, I just don't want to know about that. And that's okay. You know, if that's right. where we are today and that's that's the way we're, dealing with that issue or topic, you know, let's leave it there until we, until we can put it in a framework where we can deal with it. I think that that's perfectly okay. Um, but I yeah. think what we're talking about here is 
you know, those indicators around us that show where people have been vulnerable and they have gone out with either the, you know, the unpopular perspective or the unpopular view or even just stepped out on the edge um, as a, you know, as a, as a person very, very vulnerable and available for other people to either, you know, criticize or express opinions about. Mm-hmm. All of these things say that we've taken some sort of a risk um, and we've succeeded despite that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really, I mean, I, I don't feel badly that I took Xanax for four years. My God, if there was ever a time to need it, it was those four years. Um, I'm proud of myself that I did. I mean, man, talk about a survivor. We are all survivors. Life yes. is <laughs> when we are survivors. No, we are not out there um, whittling with a rock and, and uh, straw in order to make fire. I mean, that we <laughs> We've evolved from those places. Thank God. We're still surviving and thriving. And then we're back to surviving. And then we're, th- but just the fact that we wake up every day is like, that's, that's surviving. So I did whatever I had to do in order to survive. And how wonderful that I don't have to do those things and that I can choose not to, that I can choose to live a different um, experience. And I, I was watching, you know, when you're, when you have insomnia, like YouTube becomes your friend. So I'm like obsessively <laughs> watching every YouTube video and I'm studying all these different things, different hosts, different conversations. I got into this whole kick on what is celebrity? Like, what is that? Um, to me, it, 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 you know, that's a whole other show, but I was really looking at that. What, what does that mean? Because the people that I talk to that are, quote unquote, the celebrities of behavioral health, I mean, they're struggling just like everybody else. I mean, they don't mm-hmm. have it easy. So I don't know what this whole like celebrity culture thing is um, that puts people in a very inhuman place. But I was watching an interview with these two, this couple, and they're both celebrities and the interviewer was saying oh you know you guys are da, 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 da. and I thought oh my gosh she's not even talking to them like they're human beings and the guy of the couple said wait a minute I mean he was being polite but he was like wait a minute but that's not how we see ourselves mm-hmm. we don't see ourselves that way we understand that the public does but that makes us inhuman we're just who we are when we come home after we've done a movie or a record or this or that we aren't thinking oh i'm so blah 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 we're just getting dinner ready for our kids right. like he was trying yeah. to just say i'm just a human i mean i i'm i'm I, we don't see ourselves that way at all and i thought oh that's so i mean the interviewer was just not even paying attention um but I thought that's that's telling for everybody in your life, not just whether or not you're a celebrity, just all of us realizing we're just humans. It's a great equalizer. Nobody yeah. is better than us. And I thought about this too, this last thing, I wonder what you think about it. I was watching an old, um, I'm telling you lots of YouTube, an old interview with Oprah. And she was talking about how, if we all could just, you know, that the universe is there for all of us and the abundance of the universe. And if we all, you know, 
she was talking about herself in a way that I thought, oh, I think she thinks she's more evolved because she has yeah. access to, she has all this money and she has all this, um, in this experience of her soul, she has this reach and whatever. And it, it did sound like that. Like she really felt like she was more evolved than say a guy working at a liquor store or um, a homeless person or whatever. And I thought, oh, that's part of that celebrity thing where you think that, that you're protected or yeah well that and that you you it's that thing you were talking about at the beginning the comfortableness yeah right that that right. stuff can make you i mean so what that's great that you're able to it's not that you don't respect that person's and their achievements but that's their life it's not your life and your life is not less than what they are i think with like the tony robbins and stuff of the world they're preaching this um yeah this way like of figuring out yeah <laughs> that they have it figured out and you know what everybody that's listening that is such bull i'm not even kidding it is so such a fallacy i mean if you can derive something great from tony robbins fantastic i have when i listen to his stuff i can get pumped up and and that's great everybody needs that but i I'm so aware of cult type behavior because of how I was raised and stuff that I, I look at that stuff now, like, okay, if I'm going to listen to a Tony Robbins or somebody else, I'm going to be consciously aware and awake the entire time that I'm doing it so that I okay. don't fall into the trap of thinking that this is gonna, that what he preaches is how I should live my life. That what he right. preaches is I'm low and if I just do what he says I should do, I'm going to live this better experience because I don't believe in that whole better experience that he's selling. I don't think that that's a better experience. It's just a different experience. Right. Right. And, you know, back to kind of the beginning of this conversation, what, what those folks are presenting is, a, is a framework, you know, here's the way to compartmentalize those thoughts and how to analyze and approach them. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and, and even that type of, um, you know, analytic process is not gonna, not gonna work for everyone. But, you know, to your point, because he has this framework doesn't mean that he's necessarily any better at solving problems than any of the rest of us. It's just that he's created a structure within which to approach those problems. So, um, you know, to, and to something else that you said, Kristen, you know, all these people drive home and throw their car keys on the kitchen mm -hmm. counter and eat something and go to bed, every single one of them, you know? And, and to think that any of them have anything more figured out than we do, um, yes. with, yeah. with the exception of Dax Shepard and, and Kristen Bell, because I think they have everything figured out. But, but, um, and those are the most for real people. You know what I mean? I know, like, I they? love watching them. They're all about their foibles. And I'm like, that yeah. is what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, it could be your neighbor, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I think that what, endears us to them to that degree is um, they are real, you know, they're showing up just like us humble and um, humble and, and, and acknowledging and, the fact that they need a safety net just as badly as the rest of us. 
Exactly. So I love that. Yeah. And I, I really, it, it was very freeing for me to go, oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. So I don't, I am tired of that whole measurement stick of my life should look like this. Or if I had these things, a big fat bank account and a BMW and a whatever that I'm somehow, I would somehow be living uh, a better life. And that's just mm -hmm. not, that is non-reality. That is mm -hmm. simply not true. It just isn't. It isn't true. Um, even the people talking about it aren't necessarily living that. Um, it's just, it's not, it isn't human. Okay. It goes mm -hmm. against every way that we're, that we're our vulnerable real selves. It totally speaks to our need to have escapism, um, to uh, have other things that come in and look like hope, but they really aren't to er um, erode away at our own ability to create um, a conscious and uh, life with self-esteem, our own ability to manufacture that instead of getting mm -hmm. our self-esteem from some other person or some outside source or some construct, all those things that we run to, to look for that weaken us bit by bit. Because mm -hmm. we're yep. deriving things from outside sources instead of digging deep and, and doing it here. I, I, I'll say this in this way. I'm not, um, I'm not in a traditional partnership by any stretch of the imagination. And um, when we look at something like marriage, which is fantastic, I'm not in any way putting that down, or even just the need to be partnered with someone. I was listening to someone um, on a show talk about how, you know, the Bible says that you should be, that we're meant to be married, and that's the way that you're supposed to live, and da 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 da, da. And I thought, okay, whatever, that's your belief system. It isn't mine. I don't have to adopt that. But mm -hmm. it made me it made me think about all the times that you that I have felt bad about myself when I was single for being single. Mm -hmm. And that I'm supposed to that I am, am less than because I'm not part of a couple and that some other people have I'm I'm damaged in some way that I don't have that and when I let that go and said that is just not true and I actually actively choose to be um very single in the way that I live my life because I want to develop this self-esteem and this um the tools that it takes to feel really good about myself just being myself mm-hmm if down yep. the road, once I've gotten to a certain place, I meet someone and they come in and they're amazing. Fantastic. I'm not throwing that out. I'm just saying, I don't, I want to, I don't want to go to the fantasy of what being a couple, what we're told that does for you. I'm going to do the hard work to figure out my stuff on my own. And then I'll meet someone if I want to, nothing wrong if I don't, but I'll meet them as a whole person. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's great. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. And that's where that's where I'm at too, you know. And really I I'm in the place where I don't even feel like I could bring value to a twosome if I don't even have a, a full onesome to bring to it, you know. So yeah. so how, how do I how do I make myself as as full and complete 
and um, settled within the context of my own walls um, before I even, you know, set my, set my cube down next to somebody else's. It's just not, I don't even think it's responsible on my part. Totally. And isn't it interesting how we, I mean, I could see some of my friends that say that too, that, that they're in the same place on that, that you just said and what I've said, and then they, they wrestle with it because they think, because then on the next week they'll go, oh, you know, I was thinking I want to go out and I want to just go dancing and just have people hit on me and just did it. And I'm like, oh, you are such on a slippery slope. You are so on a slippery slope because you're so close to just not doing the work mm-hmm. and getting into the whole addiction around people being attracted to you, being in a relationship, all these things that boy does society give you bonus points for doing um, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with doing them just like just be but like <laughs> like the xanax it just feels yes. good sometimes you know exactly and that's fine <laughs> i just think i've gotten to a place where i don't care i'm so glad that doesn't trip me out trip trigger me or trip me up anymore i don't mm-hmm. i mean i had somebody the other day that um, perfectly nice person wants to have dinner and this, that, and the other. And I, it was really nice to welcome this person in as a friend and to say, I'm just not, I'm doing so much stuff with myself. It wouldn't be fair to you. And it would actually impede my progress to go in that direction, but we can absolutely be friends. And I said, and when I say we can be friends, I really mean just friends, not, oh, I'm going to convince her of something different the longer I'm with her. I'm saying I need you to be awake when you hear me say that we are literally just going to be friends. And if you can be a conscious person and tell me that you want to be friends with no other outside agenda, then you're welcome here. But if you can't, please don't contact me anymore. Right. And right. he just kind of looked at me like, I'll have huh? to. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see if I ever uh, from uh, him again. Uh, oh, okay. Fine. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I don't have an agenda no. with you, dude. I really don't. Um, and you need to not have one with me. So be awake, yeah. wake up. Cause I'm living this as much awake life as I can. And, um, and I'm being totally upfront and honest with you. So if you can't, you know, anyway, I, it was just interesting. I probably will never hear from him again, but that's fine. It doesn't make me go home and go, Oh, I just blew it. Oh no. Good God. I don't have no. time for that. I just don't. No, it's, you know, using that boundary as a muscle and flexing the muscle <laughs> thing. There's my boundary. <laughs> right. And when we think of that, so, so let's, you know, let's, let's pull this since we're coming to a close towards looking at it, you know, there's the microcosm, which is you and your life and your individual experience. And then when you're in a leadership position, it's you leading and um, looking at this from a much bigger vista or a, or a, um, expand more expansive vista because you've got other people relying on you um i i always go back to this whatever i do since i am in a leadership position and can't seem to get out of it whether i lead well or not so i might as well (laughs) the the capable (laughs) yeah exactly so just accept it but whatever i do to be more awake in my life at the microcosm has a ripple effect 
towards my ability to be awake and lead um, to the macrocosm. Am I using the terms correctly? Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. So um, that's how I look at it. Whatever I'm going to do here, you know, I'm, I'm hitting my heart. Whatever I do here in my head uh, individually that I work on is going to have a wonderful impact on everything else that I do and anyone who interacts with me, be they a guest, a listener, a friend, an employee, what have you. Yep, agreed. And then I, I think my takeaway is, um, first of all, um, deliberate vulnerability. So mm. in the spirit of Brene Brown, you know, <laughs> how do we choose to be vulnerable and um, choose to make it less scary or continue to always look for ways to make it less scary? And even if we are scared, you know, similar to the world around us this last week, showing up anyway, you know? Yeah, I, I called um, Evelyn Ryan, who you all know from Take Your Power Back. I called her and I told her that I was freaking out about something, really wigging out about something. And it could have very easily made her not want to continue being on the show with me um, because I was worried that she saw me. Sometimes people that see the network and see what I've done or whatever they just like they do with we all do with celebrities. We put this persona on them or we project a reality onto them that isn't their reality. It's it's some projection of our own. And I've had people meet me and then see, they get a little bit closer and they see the hu my humanness, like that dissipates, this whole projection dissipates and then they're out of there because how I really am and live my life and so on is not at all, it, bur it bursts the bubble of their projection. And that doesn't happen very often to me anymore because I'm, I, because of my growing, but it happens every so often. Um, so anyway, I called Evelyn and I really thought, okay, well, you're going to be bursting a bubble here. But the great thing about Evelyn is she goes, honey, I already knew all that about you. <laughs> the more, the more you, the more, the, you know, she says, you're not, you, you try to hide just like we all do. You're not doing it to be deceptive. You're just, it's you hiding from yourself. And, but I can see it cause I'm that much, I'm, you know, 15 years older than you. So I can look at you and know, I know what you're doing. Cause I, I was there and I was like, mm -hmm. Oh, okay. But it was so great to cry and say, I'm really struggling and I'm scared and I'm worried and I'm this and I'm that and have your friend say, I see you. Mm -hmm. You're going to be fine. I, I see you. That was awesome. Yep. Yeah. I love that. The reality yeah. check by those closest to us who we trust. Absolutely. Ab and then who we admire and who are struggling um, themselves with their own identities and their own lives and their own. I mean, I guess listeners think about it this way and maybe you do this already and I haven't come up with some grand idea because sometimes I think I'm the only one that's come up with something, which is another way of being ridiculous. <laughs> so, <laughs> but when you're sitting in your home or you're at work, like stop for a moment and think about your neighbors and think about the people that you work with. Think about the individual people, like picture them in your head. And, tell, and remind yourself that they have all the same doubts and fears and don't know what's going on and don't know what they're doing next and where wh who they are and what they should be. They have all those same things that you do. It really helps 
you humanize yourself to yourself and also the people around you. Yep. Absolutely. I think that's a great summary. Agreed. Any, any last words that you want to add on top of that? Since I rambled a lot during this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, just reiterating the fact that we're all looking for ways to make it less scary, you know, and mm -hmm. um, you, know, you mentioned that people might look like they, have it all together from the outside. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think we're all, we're all looking for hope, but because hope's not a plan, we're all looking for concrete ways to, you know, make, make life easier for us to go through. And, um, you know, that's okay. That's okay. It's, it's when we, you know, strip things away and get vulnerable around how to address that scariness. I think that the really, uh, the really magic stuff happens. Yeah, yeah. And and be very um, conscious about whose edicts you follow, because it's wonderful to read an inspiring book. And that makes you want, want to challenge yourself to be um, more of who you are. But don't adopt it as that's your that you're less than and you needed this to get to some better place. Like be awake that you're making a choice to try something different instead of, oh, I'm less than and need to do this and follow this edict because um, this edict is how you need to live in order to live a happy life. Right. So anyway, all right. Over and out on Women Who Lead. Thank you, Catherine, for um, joining us again. <laughs> thank you, Krista. I appreciate your time. And thank you, listeners. Without good intentions, I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can fight it. Good boy.